All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome again to New Anthem Church. I want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting us for the very first time, or we've gotten a lot of feedback, people watching online, so glad you're joining us as well. We're continuing on in this series called You Asked For It. It's part three. Basically, we're doing the same thing Jesus liked to do. If you read much of the accounts of Jesus in the Bible, you see that many people came to him and asked him questions, and he would take the opportunity to answer those questions in the form of the sermon. And like the video said at Easter, we gave you the opportunity to ask us any question you wanted to. And now we're taking uh, the time here, these uh, five weeks in October, to answer the most asked questions. And uh, today's a little bit tricky because if you looked at your message notes that you should have got on your way in, you see the question was, how can I be a better parent? And it's tricky because automatically we isolate all of those uh, of you who aren't parents or have no interest in becoming parents. So I promise you the principles that we're going to talk about today will translate to everyone. It's not just a parent thing. I'm going to answer that question, but this is a how can I be a better person in life in general just as much as it is about how to be a better parent. That being said, I would like the record to show and the minutes to state that my kids are six and three. I have no idea if what I'm about to tell you is going to work, okay? I mean, the jury is still out on this. I feel like I'm relying on the creator of the universe and thousands of years of human history before me, and I've read a lot of books, so uh, I feel like I'm going to give you guys some good information, but again, the jury is still out on whether or not this will work. I hope so. Let me know how it works for you all. Um, I want you to realize that uh, being a parent is certainly the hardest job in the world. And it's really all about influence. If you guys can get one thing from today, you have to understand that parenting is about influencing your children. And the question is, what are you influencing them towards? That being said, I think uh, what you also have to realize about parenting is that you have to be intentional. Parenting is intentional. Nobody has ever just stumbled in to effectiveness. Nobody has ever just sat on their couch and thought, I really need to get better at this. I'll just wait for that to happen. And then it actually happened. Okay? Nobody has ever done that. So you have to understand that parenting, as much as it's about influence, it's about being intentional in your children's lives. If you've ever read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, you see that he proposes in there that you have to have 10,000 hours of practice at anything before you ever become elite. Now, you don't get a whole lot of practice at parenting. Certainly not 10,000 hours worth. Maybe that's why the first kid's always jacked up, okay? I don't, I don't know that. There's no scientific data to prove that. But regardless, if you're a first child, I apologize. But I'm not, so there you go. Uh, what I'm trying to say is you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Look at your neighbor and say, be intentional, Now look at your other neighbor, the neighbor you ignored, and say, I intentionally ignored you. No, I'm right. Some of you, that's probably true. Now, I know what you're thinking. Because you're here, you're busy, this is the world that we live in. You don't need one more thing in your life. 
How can I be intentional? I have so many things already going on. And and here's the truth of the matter. The busier you get, the more intentional you have to be. The more opportunities you have to find to be intentional in your children's lives. Furthermore, sometimes you're going to have to say no to some really good things so you can say yes to the best things. And I would contend in your, child, in your children's life, you are the best thing. Depending what age your kids are, you have the most influence in their life right now. What are you going to do with that? So when you lose that influence, they still remember what mom and dad talked about. That's why I, ha- I said in your mind, you have to decide right now that I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to get better. If you want to leave today and take some steps forward in your life, not necessarily just in parenting, but in being intentional, I would encourage you to write this down. I won't settle for what is. I will strive for what could be. I'm not going to settle for what's happening in my life. I'm going to strive to get better. I'm going to do something about the circumstances in my life right now. Whatever that is for you, you have to decide in your mind, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better. Now, in that same breath, you parents need to hear me say, God has never asked you to be a perfect parent. You don't have to be a perfect parent. I've read through this Bible a number of times now, and no point in there did it ever tell me that I had to be perfect. In fact, many of the stories that you read in the Bible are about people's imperfection so that it points you back to the perfect God. See, I don't have to be perfect because God sent his perfect son to live a life that I couldn't and to take a penalty that was mine because I'm not perfect. And in turn, he rose from the death, conquering sin and death. And now when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. It should push me back My imperfections should push me back towards a perfect God. So you don't have to be a perfect parent, but you do need to be an intentional one. If you're not intentionally parenting your kids, I guarantee you someone is. The world certainly is. Make no mistake, the world wants something from your kids. Now, you and I might disagree on what that is, But you can't watch TV or walk through a store or anywhere. There's any sort of advertisement anywhere that your kids are bombarded with. You can't tell me the world doesn't want something from your kids. It absolutely does. That's why it's so important for you to influence your kids the right way. The Bible Bible uses is disciple. You have to disciple your kids. Really, that's just being about intentional and influencing, but but that's the word they chose to use. You have to disciple your children. That's what parenting is. In fact, let me say it this way. God's design is so effective and so amazing that you are right now discipling someone. If you're a parent, you're discipling your kids. If you're a grandparent, you're probably discipling your grandkids. If you're just a friend or whatever, you're discipling in large parts your friends, or you're being discipled by them. Men, if you are married and you're aggressive towards your wife, or you belittle your wife, or you refuse to serve her like Christ served the church, or you punt on your responsibility to love your wife like Christ loved the church, you're discipling your sons to be the next generation of narcissistic, self-serving, 
cowards that are in the world today. You are discipling your kids, whether you realize it or not. Wives, ladies, if you're a consistent nag, constantly feeling like you have to be the Holy Spirit at home, (laughs) making sure your husband realizes he's not doing everything you feel like he should be doing. First of all, I've never met the man who's been transformed by nagging, okay? I just have never met the guy who's like, you know what, now that you've said that for the 6,000th time, I feel like I should probably change this in my life. I've just never met that guy. In fact, the Bible would go on to say that it feels sorry for your husband. In Proverbs, (laughs) listen to this. In Proverbs, God says, it's better for a man to die in the desert than live in a home with a disrespectful wife. That is the Bible. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it's like when your husband is upset and he just decides to go in the garage to work because uh, he's sick of being condescended and belittled. God shows up and is like, hey, bro, uh, why, don't you just, why don't you just go on into the desert? He's like, do I need any water or canteen or anything? No, don't take any water, he says. What, won't I die without water? God says, yeah, you're going to die. It's going to be slow and painful and horrible, and it's going to be better than living here. That's what, what the Bible says. Ladies, if this is the story of your life, all kidding aside, you are training your daughters that they'll get what they want if they just nag, belittle. You're training your sons to be even more emasculated than their dads already are. Because you're not allowing God to do the work that he needs to do in their lives. You need to be an expert in your spouse's strengths. Now, I'm not giving the men a pass on any of this. He might be an incompetent moron. And I totally understand that. But listen to me. He's your incompetent moron. When you made that covenant before God, you need to encourage him in his strengths. They might be hard to find, but you need to encourage his strengths. And encourage him to be a much better man and allow God to do the work that he needs to do. Men, I'm not giving you a pass on any of this because God's got a big call on your life to shepherd your family well. And by far in our culture, that's not happening. And we're paying the price for it. And that's what you're seeing in the world today. But listen, we are all modeling something. We are all discipling somebody. And we're disciples right now. That's why this message is so important. If you're growing in the love and fuel for Jesus Christ, we begin to extend grace to one another. And that grace is absolutely contagious. Even if we do get a little bit naggy or don't fulfill our responsibilities in the way that we should be, if we'll just be quick to own our part and ask for forgiveness and say those two magic words, I'm sorry. I messed up. If we'll just be willing to do that and to own our sin in a way that models for our children and loved ones the need we all have for Jesus, how much different could your house look? How much different could your workplace look? How much different could your school look? 
See, God's design is so effective that when he commanded us to go and make disciples, he didn't just leave us to our own devices. We are absolutely right now making disciples. The question again is, are we making good ones? Because the bottom line is each of us in this room are a child or we know a child. And we are discipling them in some capacity. So we need to best see how we can disciple kids and how we can influence them and how we can influence the people in our lives for the better. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Open it up to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is going to be towards the front of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is how it's going to go. You want the big number six. We're eventually going to land in Deuteronomy Six. There's a couple things that I want us to accomplish first. Before we can talk about what we need to do, we need to understand some monumental things. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1. It's in your notes. It reads like this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, do you see how all-encompassing that sentence is? There's a time for everything. And a season for everything, for every activity, anything in your life, there's a season for it. Would that include parenting, Pastor? I'm not a Rhodes Scholar, but I would tend to think that that falls under the category of every activity. So there are seasons to parenting. Right now, there's seasons. Even if you're not a parent, I think I've shown you that you have influence in somebody's life. So the question is, well, then what season are we in as parents? If we want to become better parents, we've got to recognize what season of life that we're in. So here's what I mean. Birth to age five. This is a season of discipline. Season one, discipline. Now, let's chat about that because anytime you mention the word discipline, it tends to freak people out. Uh, so you might want to write this down as well. Discipline is a correction driven by love. Discipline is a correction driven by love. It's not screaming at your kids because they touched something in a grocery store. It's not swatting their butt because they did something that you feel like makes you look bad. They get rambunctious in a restaurant or whatever it is. You all of a sudden feel like you're not a good parent. And so you take that out on your kids. That's not discipline. Discipline is a correction driven by love. Here's what King Solomon said in Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. In other words, the point of discipline is to prevent kids from killing themselves or each other. That's the point of discipline. It's what birth to age five is all about. Setting boundaries. Don't touch the stove. Don't push your sister down the stairs. Don't play with knives, right? Any of these things. Don't put that in the electrical socket. This is all about discipline. It's a correction driven by love. You don't want your child to die. You don't want them to kill anybody else. This is all about discipline. So parents of children ages birth to five, you got to hear me say this is just a season. I wish somebody would have told me that when I first became a parent. Because it feels like there are days and weeks where all you do is just discipline your children. And that's, it's horrible as a parent, I'm going to be honest. But you have to realize that this is just a season. Stay encouraged. It gets better. 
I want to point out a verse to you in Philippians because a lot of people like to, to give this to the kids. But I, I think it's actually towards the parents. It's Philippians 2.14. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. What if we disciplined our kids without complaining or arguing? Hmm? It's a tough one. Because anybody found themselves arguing with their kids? Complaining to their kids? You ain't going to win that battle. Those kids are insane, right? So, I mean, you might as well stop trying to argue with them because you ain't going to win that. But we don't need to yell. We don't need to scream. We need to be encouraging and discipline them in a corrective way in love. It's about capturing and encouraging your child's heart. It's not about stifling their growth. Come on, somebody. That's good. You've got to correct them in love. Encourage them. Encourage those rambunctious gifts to a certain extent. Man, allow them to use that for God's glory. It's about keeping your children from death. Here's something practical that we've just started in my house as I began preparing this and, and reading through some things. I tell Leighton and Lana now, whenever I tell them to do something, they must respond with, yes, dad. If Laura tells them something, yes, mom. Now I'm not saying something 50 times and finally just blowing my gasket as a normally sane person. In that moment, I become insane, okay? I can limit that by you saying, yes, dad, or yes, mom. Now they can't say, well, I never heard you. I didn't hear you say, clean up your room. No, no, you heard me. You said, yes, dad, yes, mom. See, it's a discipline that is now preventing me from having to discipline. You see the difference? Capturing their heart. I'm encouraging them to do what I say, and I'm not having to go crazy in the process. Here's the next season of life. Ages 5 to 12, it's all about training. Training. Huge difference. Discipline and then training. Here it is in Scripture. Proverbs 22, 6. Train your children to live the right way, and when they are old, they will not stray from it. Now, here's what's interesting about this passage. The word train is actually a midwife term. This is going to sound w- weird, but I, I promise you what happened is they would take a little bit of the mother's milk and put it on their finger and they, it would help develop a taste for. That's what the word train literally means in the original Hebrew. Develop a taste for. And that's what you need to do with your children. You have to develop a taste for God. You have to help train them to develop a taste for God and to serve him and to love him. That's what that word train literally means. Well, let me ask you a difficult question. Because how are you going to do that if you're not serving God? How are you going to give your kids a taste for the things of God if you yourself aren't willing to serve him and to love him and to influence your children to live a life for him? When was the last time your kids caught you reading the Bible? When was the last time you prayed with your family? I'm not talking about God is great, God is good. I'm talking about you praying and developing in them a taste for prayer. You modeling what prayer needs to look like. When was the last time you served somebody with no strings attached? Are you serving in your local church? Showing them that this is God's plan to save the world, the local church. 
how are you training your children? If you're not, you should be. Is this purely coincidental that you're at church today, or is this habit for you? Are you showing your children that that I'm going to center my life around the gospel, Jesus Christ? Everything that we do is going to be impacted by the fact that Jesus came to this earth to die for my sins and make me into a new person. Everything. That should impact everything that you do in your life. Look at uh, Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You've got to make Jesus the center of your life if you have any hope of making him the center of your kid's life. Again, this is about being intentional. So intentionally schedule your life around God and the things of God. And allow every area of your life to be impacted by the things of God. Give your kids a taste for God. That's the message, ages 5 to 12. Season 3, ages 12 to 19. Point is all about coaching. Coaching. Up to this point, you've disciplined your kids. You've trained them in the things of God. Now you need to coach them so that they can do the things that they need to do. Here's why. Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, this season of life is all about picking your kids' friends. You choose who their friends are. That way some moron down the street or at school doesn't lead them astray from the discipline and training that you've already brought into their life. That's what coaching is all about. Now, certainly the kids are going to raise a little bit of a fuss about that, but if in the beginning they understood that you disciplined them in love and that you've trained them in the things of God, they're going to be much more likely to see under the lenses of, this probably is badly for me. These friends, they're making dumb decisions. I understand that my parents have my best interests in mind. This is what coaching is all about. Furthermore, I'd go on to say that you need to be the cool house. You really want to monitor your kids' friends? Well, then get all their friends to come over to your house because you've got the good snacks and you let us drink pop and play video games, have a pool, whatever it is, but have the cool house. It's way easier to monitor what your kids are into when they're at your house doing it under your roof. I got any parents out here today of kids this age? Because I'm not hearing anything very much from you. Listen to me. Get into what your kids are into. Read what they're reading. Before you say, no, you can't read that, read it. Don't listen to what the world says about it. Read it. Have some conversations about how this points back to God. How creative is God that he wrote, he gave the ability to J.K. Rowling to write Harry Potter. Not, hey, that's about a witch, you can't read that. We'll talk about witches then. You know what I'm saying? Like, read what your kids are reading. Get into what they're into so that way you can connect, connect it back to God. And certainly you're going to have to have some difficult conversations. Listen to me. I bought everybody in this church a ticket to go see Noah. That movie was the most heretical thing possible. You want to talk about the biggest mistake I've ever made as a pastor, Jesus Priest, I encourage you all to go see it. So then I had to take an opportunity to preach. Okay, that's not actually what happened, guys. Well, as a parent, you got to do the same thing. You're going to make some mistakes, certainly. 
own them, apologize to them, connect it back to God, that he's willing to forgive you. That's all I'm saying. That's what coaches do. All the good coaches I know, they invest in their players' lives. Those players know the coaches that most impacted me in my life, I knew that that coach cared for me. I'd be willing to run through a brick wall for them. So at minimum, pretend to be interested in what your kids are interested in. So they feel the same way about you as their parental coach. Be intentional about being involved. That's what this season of life is all about. Be intentional about being involved. That's coaching. Here's the last one. Last season of parenting. It's friendship. Age 19 on, it's all about friendship. What do you do as friends? You get advice. You have uh, fun, you know, go see movies, whatever it is. This is what that season of life needs to look like as a parent. Hopefully they come to you with problems. I know I've always talked to my parents, my dad specifically, about a car or a house or any of these things because I value his opinion. My mom's as well. This is the season of life that we're in. Friendship. Now, here's why understanding these seasons of life is such a big deal. Because the biggest mistakes that we make as parents is we parent in the wrong season. We should be disciplining and we've decided that we need to be friends. We should be training and we've decided that we need to coach them or whatever it is. But the biggest mistake that you can make as a parent is you parent in the wrong season. Now, listen to me. There's hope. That's what I want to talk to you about from this point on, is that you can do this. That it doesn't require two of you. God be praised for single moms that are stewarding these seasons well, that have stewarded their kids' lives well. And for men of the church to step up and take responsibility, especially for those single moms, you step into those kids' lives and you take those boys hunting and fishing or playing sports and whatever it is, you step in and you fill that gap. This is what the church is. We step in and we fill the gap. We help parent. It's the old saying. It takes a what? This is our village. It's our new anthem village. We're going to help parent well, and we're going to parent in the seasons of life well. Again, biggest mistake you can make is you parent in the wrong seasons. Now, I'm going to tie all this together. I want to talk about how there's still hope, even if you've kind of messed this up or you feel like there's no turning back or you feel overwhelmed or whatever it is. I want to show you that you can do this. You've not missed your opportunity. God's grace is big enough for everybody in this room, including you and your kids. You should be in Deuteronomy 6. Let's pick it up right in verse 1. It reads, These are the commands decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I will give you so that you may enjoy long life God's Commands are about you enjoying life. Young people, parents, anybody in this room, God's decrees are about you enjoying life. I can't preach this enough. God's not trying to keep anything from you. 
Jesus said, I've come so you might have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have life to the full. His commands are about keeping you from death. God's boundaries are God's blessings. Anything in your life that God calls sinful, the Bible says, leads to your death. He's trying to keep you from that. The same way that you set up boundaries for your kids because you know that ends bad. God says this leads to death. Stay away from it. He wants you to have life and have it to the full. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. You shall, these, are, these are the commands now. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Our word, intentionally to your children. And talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now let's recap. Because we know that there are seasons of parenting in life. That we've got to parent in the right season. So now we've recognized what those seasons are. Now Moses comes along and says, here's what you have to do in every single season. You have to be intentional about talking to your kids when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. That's what that verse says. Now let me show you that you can do this. How many of you have a couch in your house? Just a show of hands. Looks like everybody. So do you sit on that couch? There you go. You can do this as a parent. When you sit in your house, we all sit in our house. You can be intentional with your kids. What about walk by the way? Well, in today's world, that's driving a car. How many of you drive a car with your kids in the vehicle? Yes. There's no better place to trap your kids than in the car. Okay? I mean, they just can't get anywhere. You got the child safety locks, all that, seat belts. I mean, you have... If you punt that responsibility to tablets or DVDs, you've lost an opportunity. You've sabotaged your opportunity to be intentional about parenting your kids. Yeah. You have to be intentional in these times when they're in the car. Now, get me. I'm not saying that's easy. But you've got to learn how to ask questions that cannot be answered with one word. It's not, hey, how was school today? Because what are they going to say? Fine. Good. They might not even say it. They might just give you one of these. Like, so you've got to learn how to ask questions that can't be answered with one word or a shrug of the shoulders. No, no. Fine. Right? You've got to learn how to say, what did you do in math class? What did you do at recess? Who did you play with? What did you have for lunch? What, I mean, whatever it is, but you've got to learn how to start capturing your kid's heart, not punting that responsibility to electronics or anybody else. At some point, your kids are going to open up their mouth and actually speak to you. And I promise you, you're going to want them to speak about the things that they're struggling with, that they're not sure how to deal with. I promise you, as a parent, you want them to come to you first. If you've done it right up till then, then praise God. But if you haven't, you can still own the responsibility and start now and allow them to come 
to you with anything that they're dealing with. Again, it's not rocket science. You just have to learn how to ask your kids questions, pour, allow them to pour out their heart to you, not freak out about anything. God's grace is big enough, okay? You've made some stupid decisions in your life as well, okay? Learn how to navigate those tough waters. Or have people in your life that you can go to. Again, this takes a village. That's why I'm so passionate about you getting involved in a small group because life happens in circles, not rows, for an hour on Sunday. And they can help you parent your children as well. So you're supposed to do this when you're sitting in your house, right? Please, God, have dinner together in your house. I could have pulled a thousand different secular surveys that demonstrate, it's stunning, what demonstrates what happens when you eat together as a family. It's amazing the difference of kids who ate together as a family and kids who didn't. Now, don't get me wrong, I get it. There's a time to chuck chicken nuggets back there like in the van and let them eat and you're going, right? There's, I understand that. We're not living in colonial America, so I don't want to preach a message like we are, okay? This is 2016. The kids are not coming out to farm my land, okay? I get it. There's all kinds of stuff that you have to do, but I'm telling you, the biggest difference you can make in your kid's life right now is you eat together as a family. I'm, I promise you, it's stunning. If you want the information, please email me. I will get it to you. There are some days where you've got to figure things out on the run, especially if you have a lot of kids. Hear me again say, sometimes it's okay to say no to what's good in order to say yes to what's best. That goes for your kids' lives as well. But you're in the house, you're in the car. When you lie down at night, how many of you lie down at night? Okay, yes. How many of you wake up in the morning? All of you, apparently, some of you less so than others today, but that's all right. Uh, but again, you've got to find opportunities to do that. Read your kids a book at night. You know, again, stunning sociological evidence shows what happens when you read your kids a bedtime story. When you wake up, have breakfast together. I'm not going to like romanticize this. There are times in the Jordan household where breakfast is a Nutri-Grain bar, a lot of screaming, and I can't believe you spilled that again. Okay. That's what sometimes breakfast looks like. But nonetheless, there are other times where it's donuts or pancakes or something fun that we sit together and we eat and then we get them ready for school. It's inconsistent. But nonetheless, we can be intentional in those times that we have. That's the message. At the end of the day, that's what I want you to understand. And I want my kids to know that as for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. And this is why it's important to love God with your might, your soul, your strength, all of your heart. I want them to realize that. that This is what we're about as the Jordan household. So, We're going to be intentional about that. We're going to find ways and creative ways to be intentional in that regard. When we sit down, when we go to bed at night, when we wake up in the car, we're going to talk about all these things. And I promise you, again, it's inconsistent. But in those moments, if Laura and I will own where we've fallen short, God's grace is enough to cover it. And over a long period of time, hopefully, God will capture our kids' hearts. 
And he'll do some cool things because he promised me that he would in Proverbs. Deuteronomy says that as well. But as we close, I feel like I need to remind all parents of something monumentally important. And that is, you will not save your kids. That responsibility is not yours. Let me just take that weight off of your shoulders right now. Here's your responsibility. You have to be intentional about providing that kindling around their heart and storing it up as much as possible so that God will ignite it and he'll change your kid's life. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I know that's your job, to be intentional. There's no greater responsibility on this planet than to provide influence to a child. Whether you're a parent or not, you can make a difference. Because again, we're all discipling in some way. How are you going to disciple? My hope is that this church would be a place where we can discipline rightly in the right season, where we can train rightly in the right season, where we can coach, and then where we can be friends. And if we'll just be consistent about that, and if we'll be intentional about that, and if in your mind right now you'll just love your kid where they're at and encourage them to grow in whatever capacity it is in a godly way, if you'll just keep the main thing the main thing, that God wants to save their soul, that he wants to make a difference in their life, that he's not trying to keep anything from them, that he's given them a purpose in their life. And you as a parent, you want to help them discover that purpose. And so you're going to provide them opportunities to do that. If you'll just do that as a parent, our homes can be places filled with vitality and rooted in the gospel and we won't have to worry about trying to save our kids with persuasion because God will do that when you're intentional. Hold fast if you've ever felt like this is not something you've done well. Again, just own it. Have that conversation. Today, when you leave here, have some conversations with your kids in the car. Hey, mommy and daddy are going to make some changes today. We're going to encourage you in this way. And here's how life is going to look from this point on. Again, it's about you deciding in your mind today, I'm not happy. I'm not just going to allow this to continue on. I'm going to strive, right? I will not settle for what is. I will strive for what could be from this day forward. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being with us here today. God, we're most thankful of the fact that you are a good father, that you've encouraged us through your word on how we can be good parents. God, I know even as I stand here today, a dad, I've fallen short in a number of ways, and I just ask you for forgiveness. Help me to be a better husband, dad, everything moving forward. God, I know there's parents here today that feel the same way, that they've fallen short in some capacity and they want to make a difference in their kids' lives. And that as they do, it'll be a ripple effect and they can change the world. So I just ask 
them, plead with them to ask for forgiveness as well, to make some changes today, to not settle for what is, but strive for what could be. It's hard work, it's inconsistent, but as long as we can trend upwards and to the right, God, that's my prayer. That over the course of time, you will save each child in this church. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come in a powerful way into people's lives to encourage them as parents. Don't let anyone leave today here feeling discouraged, but rather encouraged because they know that you can do everything. All things are possible through you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you most of all for the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.